uh, Palm Sunday, and in John chapter 12, verses 12 through 21, um, wanted to, to read these um, scriptures and let you know about uh, this, this very special occasion. It begins at verse 12. The next day, the huge crowd that had arrived at the feast heard that Jesus was entering Jerusalem. They broke off palm branches and went out to meet him. And they cheered, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in God's name. Yes, the king of Israel. Jesus got a young donkey and rode it, just as the scripture has, has it. No fear, daughter Zion. See how your king comes riding a donkey's colt. The disciples didn't notice the fulfillment of many scriptures at the time. But after Jesus was glorified, they remembered that what was written about him matched what was done to him. And this is kind of like where I went on this, this message today, is that they, they didn't understand or didn't comprehend what was happening with Jesus as he was riding into Jerusalem. It was afterwards, when they looked back on it, they began to see and to understand what was fulfilled in Jesus as he rode into Jerusalem and fulfilled in his life, in his death, his crucifixion, his resurrection. Verse 17. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, was there giving eyewitness accounts. Hmm. So here is someone else adding to the, uh, the crowd, another group of individuals adding to the crowd about Jesus and his coming into Jerusalem. Because there was a crowd that had seen uh, Lazarus risen from the dead. So they are there adding to the fervor, adding to what's going on, that, well, he raised Lazarus from the dead. We were there. We saw it. So this is going on in the crowd also. It was because they had spread the word of his latest God sign that the crowd swelled to a welcoming parade. The Pharisees took one look and threw up their hands. It's out of control. The world's in a stampede after him. <laughs> so this is when the Pharisees decided, we got to kill him. He's too powerful. And we got to kill that Lazarus too. He, you know, we're going to get both of them. Because <laughs> you can't have people raising people from the dead. Then verse 20 and 21. There were some Greeks in town who had come up to worship at the feast. They approached Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. Sir, we want to see Jesus. Can you help us? And that is the challenge of what I thought of today. We want to see Jesus. And if you can imagine this, this, this group of Greeks coming to the disciple and saying to him, you know, saying to the Philip, we need to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. I mean, here is these throngs of individuals um, that have been throwing down their palm branches and, and this great crowd, and Jesus is being not assaulted, but... Um, surrounded by people all the time, and then comes this, uh, an in, this group of individuals to one of the disciples and says, we want to see Jesus. It's almost like, can I have, I want, I need, we need a private audience with the, with, the, with the president. We need a private audience with Jesus. We want to see Jesus. And we look at this even in our own life as um, we approach our life and what's going on. We want to see Jesus. We would like to see Jesus Christ. And, and it, not only as a 
person riding a donkey triumphantly into Jerusalem. We want to see Jesus Christ and we want to see him in, in the whole concept. And I know I can't begin at, begin at Genesis and, and go through to the book of Revelation and describe to you Jesus Christ and all that he is and, and, and all that, he has be, that has uh, been written about him. But I was wondering as we look at this, how can we see Jesus? How can we see him for who he is? Well, my favorite, one of, some of my favorite scriptures are John chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, in the beginning, and one translation has it, before the beginning began, there was God. <laughs> before the beginning began, there was the Word. The Word and God are synonymous. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word, God, became flesh and dwelt among us. So in the Hebrew, the word means God. So we can, they can be interchanged as in, in, your, in the readings. So in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. So in the beginning was God, and God was with God. <laughs> and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and with him nothing was made that has been made. So it's leading us to this point of saying that Jesus Christ is the Word of God, He is God, and He was with God. God the, and what it's portraying to us is that there is a plurality there, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is a triune God. And in Genesis it speaks about, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. It is, it is, a, it is a plural uh, image, it is a plural God. So it isn't like uh, some who would say, um, some um, cults would say that there is only, there is God the Father who created his Son, and he is a lesser being, he is a creation of God. And not so. In what we are looking at, we are looking at and seeing that God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is triune being, yet one God, and yet there are different expressions of him as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the reason that this is so important is that when we want to see Jesus, we want to see him in a way that is a complete picture. Now, if I stand up here and say, I want you to look at me, okay? Everybody look at me. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you what you see. Uh, <laughs> but uh, some of you would say something very helpful, I'm sure. But anyhow... You would see me, and I'm more than just, I am flesh and blood, you know, some hair, uh, more hair <laughs> on my face than before. Um, I am a husband, father, grandfather. I am a preacher, teacher, uh, chaplain, um, uh, do some things, leave impressions, uh, you know, so there's a lot to, <laughs> there's a lot to me <laughs> than more than what just meets the eye. So whenever we say we want to see Jesus, there's more to Jesus than what we simply understand or what we picture in our own thoughts, what we picture in our own minds. There's more to God than, than what we can imagine. So that's why we need the scriptures. And that's why it's so important as we, we would say, well, what is Jesus really like? Well, we have to go to the Word, the Word made flesh. We have to go to the scriptures to see and to understand who Jesus Christ is. And we get a picture of Jesus, not only as a human being that we can paint and put a portrait on the wall and say, that's Jesus, that's 
not what we're after. We're looking at the picture, the whole picture that is presented in the scriptures, so that we would be able to see Jesus and to see uh, uh, what he is, who he is, and what he has done, what he's accomplished, and the reason for it. We know that Jesus is fully human, but yet he's fully divine. He is the creator. Without him, was, nothing was made. But yet he is also the savior. God became flesh, Emmanuel. God became flesh and dwelt among us. He is the lamb of God, sacrifice for mankind. He's spoken of as our elder brother. He's spoken of as a friend. He's spoken of as the lover of our soul, as an intercessor. He is a protector. He is a leader. He is God. He is the word. He is life. He is forgiveness. He is grace. He is mercy. So in all of this, we see the word, God, became flesh and dwelt among us. And when Jesus, and excuse me, when John speaks of this in, in John chapter 1, his, his description shows clearly that John is speaking of Jesus as a human being that he knew and that he loved. In the New Testament, they had a hard time believing that Jesus was divine. In our concepts, in our perspectives, we have a hard time believing that he was human. That somehow he was like us. God like us, like me, flesh and blood. Got tired, had to eat, needed to, to sleep, needed to go away and pray. That he, that he was misunderstood, betrayed by his friends, his closest friends, one of his 12 disciples. We look at that and we, it's, how could, you know, how could this Jesus be like this? That's why we want to see Jesus. The Jesus in the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We cannot separate what he does from who he is. And who he is from what he does. That his teachings and his miracles were only a way of showing the great value that was in his word, and in his word was complemented by the miracles, and the miracles complemented the word, and they were there to help people understand that who Jesus was and what was going on. And when, 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 and when God, the word, created, he created something from nothing. He created something from nothing. He spoke the world into existence. He spoke the stars in the sky, and he knows them all by name. They all have names. Sir, we would see Jesus. <laughs> this creator spoke something from nothing. And because we are God's created beings, created children, we exist only because God made us. He breathed into us the breath of life and we become a living soul. And we have special gifts and special giftings that are who we are. See, that's why as you look at me, you know there's more to me than what you look at. And there's more to me, we, you, know, you know, because you don't see me. Some people don't even see me for an hour a week. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get Steve and Beth. And we, you know. <laughs> We're going to call Steve up, tell him, listen to the sermon. Preacher talks about you. <laughs> We're going to get him. Anyhow, 
But we know that there's more to who I am than, than what goes on in, in, in front of us on a, on a Sunday morning. And we know that there's more to who Jesus is than what we hear about in a, in a sermon for 30 minutes and a Sunday school lesson and what we read in the Bible. There's more to it. If everything that Jesus had done were written, there would not be enough of Scripture. There would not be enough pages in a book to write about them. We only have glimpses of what Jesus is. And what he has done. We go back to John chapter 12, verse 1. He says, Six days before Passover, Jesus arrived in Bethany, where Lazarus lived. So, just before Passover, Jesus goes back to Bethany, where Lazarus is alive, because Jesus rose him from the, he was risen from the dead, and then in, in the scriptures that we read, John 7, 12, verse 17, the crowd had been with him when he called Lazarus from the dead. So there were people, he was in Bethany, where they were quite excited because Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are excited about this, their friend Jesus, who is the Messiah, he's come to be with them. He's close enough to Jerusalem to be there in, in, in a short time, but yet far enough away from Jerusalem to not be hunted by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those who were trying to scheme to kill him. So he's in Bethany, and the people in Bethany are, are quite excited about Lazarus because they knew Lazarus was dead, and Jesus called him out of the tomb. And then when Jesus is triumphantly entering into Jerusalem, the crowd that was there, part of the crowd that was among those laying the palm branches down was at the re resurrection of Lazarus. And then in chapter 12, verse 21, there's this group that's coming saying, we want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. Because look at what has happened in just a short period of time. There's people telling us about a resurrection. You see, most of our life, our life experiences end with Lazarus in the grave. You know, friends of God, Mary Martha, they're friends of God. They send word to Jesus. Jesus, the one you love, Lazarus, is sick. Come, come quickly. We don't think he's going to make it. Jesus doesn't come. He doesn't answer their prayers, their request on time. And Lazarus dies. Jesus shows up after Lazarus has been in the grave for a couple of days. And the challenge that comes to Mary and Martha is, and they present this to Jesus, Jesus, if you'd have been here, our brother wouldn't have died. You see, what they knew of Jesus, Messiah, miracle worker, uh, you know, great teacher, still needed more to be added to them. Still, Jesus can, had to continue to reveal who he was beyond what they understood it to be. This is the challenge for us. What we understand Jesus to be, there's more to it. See, there's more to our understanding of God and what God wants to do in our life than what we know. 
What we have experienced and what we have taught, what I have experienced, what I have taught, what I have understood, and, you know, and, and my understanding and all my experiences, there's still more to Jesus than what I know. And how does Jesus reveal that to me? How does he continue to open the door and make that known to who I am? There's still more of my life that I need to dedicate to God and, and, and consecrate to Him. There are still things and the ways that I see things and the ways that I perceive things. I, there's still things that need to be changed. So what are we, how is God going to take... I would see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. How do I see Him more completely in my life. How do I understand him more completely? Now remember, Jesus didn't come to reject us. He didn't come to put us in our place. He came to reveal himself to us that we may come become more complete in him. So it's not a guilt trip and it's not a rejection, and it's not a manipulation. I would say Jesus is, is a declaration of my heart that I want to know him more completely. And these individuals who came to Jesus, and they, you know, they were maybe part of the crowd that laid down the palm branches and their coats and all that stuff, and all the excitement of Jesus marching triumphantly into Jerusalem, riding on this, this donkey... And they come afterwards and talk to Philip and say, Philip, you know, we want to see Jesus. Because as we live our life, a lot of times what we live comes up a little short. <laughs> Jesus, we want you to come. The one you love, Lazarus, is sick. And when Jesus arrives, Lazarus is dead. And, the, and the, the challenging question to Mary and Martha is, well, challenging question that Mary and Martha put to Jesus is, if you'd have been here, our brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Do you believe this? And every time that we have an experience of, of challenge in our life, and the challenge of life and death, the challenges of growing and changing, the challenges of who we were versus who we are and who we are becoming, and those things come together and they collide, and, and it's like the word of God comes as Jesus Christ came to Mary and Martha and says, who do you believe that I am? And what Jesus is presenting to Mary and Martha is, do you want to see me more clearly? Then they're going to have to Live with me through this experience. You're going to have to live with me, walk with me through this experience because I am the resurrection and the life. And Jesus went with Mary and Martha and the crowd to the tomb of Lazarus, rolled the stone away, and he spoke Lazarus' name, and Lazarus comes forth out of the grave. These people are part of the group that's waving their palm branches. 
these palm, you know, waving their palm branches, taking their cloaks off and laying them on the road. And Jesus is riding triumphantly into Jerusalem. And it's really a real challenge because Jesus knows that at the end of the week, some of these people are going to be crying out, crucify him. And when he's hanging on the cross, all of these individuals are going to doubt whether they really understood what he was about. We thought he was a Messiah. And you see, God doesn't have a problem with our doubts. He doesn't have a problem with our concerns. How does this measure up? Because if we didn't believe, we wouldn't ask questions. If we didn't believe in, in, in God, we wouldn't be wondering, why is this happening the way it is? We had an expectation that didn't happen a certain way, and therefore we are challenging ourselves with our, with, our, with our questions. And we're challenging, and the question really is, I need to see Jesus more clearly. Because what I expected didn't happen the way that I thought it should, and now he is here with me, and now I'm challenged in my belief. Now I'm challenged to, to really understand Is he really the Messiah? Um, I would see Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, we, you know, we need to see you for a moment. Could you step in here? <laughs> God, I need you to step into my life and help sort out these things. He doesn't have a problem with that. Because the question is, do you believe? And the answer is, yes, Lord, I believe. I believe, but I don't understand. I believe, Mary and Martha. Yes, Jesus, we believe. See, the word fills the areas of our life that we have opened to them. When we know that we have sinned, that's the, that's the conscious of the Spirit, the conscious of God, pricking our heart and our minds and our soul, our spirit, and saying, you need forgiveness. We confess our sin. That sin is removed. God's spirit, as it were, fills that areas of our life and fills our life. But you know what? We're, we're not perfect. So we need to separate from sin. There's a strength that we need in our life to walk away from sin. There is a strength that we need in our life that, God, there are financial needs I have in my life. So I sow my seed into your garden and into your, into your kingdom, believing that you will reap a harvest into our own life. There is a sickness, perhaps, in our life that comes and we need to experience Jesus as healer. There is death that comes to our life. And we need to experience that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. There is areas of our life, even though we are Christians and believers, there's still areas of our life that are challenged. We know that Jesus is triumphant, but um, I would see Jesus. <laughs> Jesus says to us in the scriptures, you've not chosen me, but I've chosen you. I've chosen you because I love you, and I know the potential that's in your life. I know what you can become because I created you. 
I know what's in your heart. I know what's in your mind. I know what you're capable of. Sin comes in and tries to destroy you and tries to tear you down and to keep you back from your destiny. I don't like that word, but I, I, that I, tr- sin comes and tries to keep you from becoming. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I have come that you might be free from the, the things that would distract you and pull you apart on the inside and pull you backwards in life. And put blinders onto the things that, that the, the things of life that put blinders onto you that you don't see the whole big picture. And Jesus says, Let me ride triumphantly into your life. And we'll say, Jesus, I want to see you more clearly. Verse 40, chapter 12, verse 44. Jesus summed it all up when he cried out, Whoever believes in me believes not just in me, but in the one who sent me. Whoever looks at me is looking, in fact, at the one who sent me. When we see Jesus, we see God. When we see the fruit of God in our life, the fruit of Jesus Christ in our life, we see God working in us. If anyone hears what I am saying and doesn't take it seriously, I don't reject him. This is, I mean, this is amazing. Verse, chapter 12, verse 47 If anyone hears what I'm saying and doesn't take it seriously, I don't reject him. I didn't come to reject the world. I came to save it. Jesus didn't come to tell us, move over, get out of here. I reach, no. He didn't come to reject us. He came to give himself to us And whenever we receive him into our life, the whole concept, the whole picture that we have this coming into our life, it's not about rejection, it's about fulfillment. Jesus rides triumphantly into Jerusalem to fulfill what the scriptures had said and what the prophets had said and about how a Messiah should come and how how a Messiah should come uh, to Israel and to the nation. And he fulfilled all of the prophecies. He came to do that. And there are those religious people. That's the, who, that's the people Jesus had problems with, the religious. Because the religious had premeditated concepts about what Jesus should look like and do. And Jesus didn't feel, fulfill any of them. So they wanted to kill him. And in our life, we do that by saying, I don't really believe the scriptures. Now, you've got to understand, there's some people that, they say they don't believe in God. Well, I said, well, tell me about your God. And after they're done telling me, I say, well, I don't believe in that guy either. <laughs> because that's not the one that I know. So, there are things that maybe we don't understand about God, But don't reject him because he loves you. To reject the word, to reject the scripture, is to willfully reject God and stop what God wants to bring into your life. The word, the word made flesh that I have spoken and that I am. The word and no other is the last word. I'm not, taking, I'm not making any of this up on my own, Jesus said. 
And what he's saying is that there's no other revelation except the one that I am giving. There's no other way to heaven but through Christ. And so we want to take that word, that revelation, and allow the Holy Spirit to take this word, this scripture, to bring it into our life and to challenge our hearts and to know that it's not about rejecting us. It's about changing us. And if we think we can do it on our own, we don't have the right understanding of what God wants to do. We must see that it is impossible for us, just as it is impossible for us to raise ourselves from the dead, it is impossible for us to change on our own. We need God in us. Christ alive in me. The word coming to my life and to my situations and to my critical points where Mary and Martha are standing there. Our brother is dead, but the word must come to them and reveal himself to them and turns and performs the miraculous. Lazarus, come forth. And things change and a whole new understanding of life comes on the scene for Mary and Martha. And in just a few days, they are going to be surrounding the cross of Christ, the one who raised Lazarus from the dead, and he himself will be dying. And they will be challenged again. I never thought it would be this way. I never thought it would end like this. I never thought it could happen like this. Someone who brings the dead to life now dying on a cross. When we thought he would be king. <laughs> Jesus, ride into our lives. Let your presence be about us in a way that as we look at the crucifixion, we also know it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. <laughs> there is a resurrection, and there is a life that will come upon us through Christ. And he will change us the way that only he can. He changes us by his word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, is Jesus. And he dwells within our heart. And because he lives, we shall live also. Amen? Easter's coming. <laughs> Easter's coming. There is a truth to the word that will take us from where we are to where we need to be in each of our lives, including me. So we begin where we are at. It's not about rejection. It's not about condemnation. It's not about a guilt trip. It's about a revelation that he's alive and he's alive in me. Amen?